Ciao, ragazzi, and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this? Um, I don't know what date is anymore. Was it Monday? Tuesday? It's, tu- it's Tuesday. I can't keep track. It's, it's Tuesday. We grabbed, we're grabbing the Tuesday night time slot out of respect for the Milan Weekly Pod guys who record on Monday nights and yep. just guys doing their things on Sunday nights. So, um, you know, so uh, we're we're here again, uh, pounding it out, and just like uh, Atalanta pounded it out today on Brescia without Gomez, without Ilicic, and Zapata only playing for a half, they still score six. You know, I, last week I had said that nobody can compete with Juventus uh, depth-wise. Well, there's no one team that's close. That's Atalanta. My goodness. Yeah, uh, and they got some kids involved out there too. Um, uh, the uh, Tamez is a an interesting player for them. Going, you know, in the midfield, um, they had uh, the young Croatian there back there, and I get the name escapes me. Um, the, uh, that uh, played in the, that was part of the back three. Yep. Um, so uh, they had that, and then they had a chance to play some other guys. Coley came in there and got an assist um, on one of Pasolic's goals, and uh, some of the other fellows. Milan Weekly Pod is actually checking in. Let's go, hey Stephen. Good to good to see you, man. Um, but uh, so yeah, it was uh, Atalanta doing Atalanta things. And did you see K Murray? uh yeah dropping the, the, dropping the quote i like it uh and like as you said I, I don't know if it originated here or we heard it from somewhere else you know either way um it's glad to hear that the atalanta love is spreading around and you know obviously we must have, to, we we had to have started that because i think we've been saying that for at least two years now we have been and yeah it's it's it's, it's good to see that other people are saying like hey murray uh of espn so uh yep. yeah this next time just give us a shout out or whatever you know some quote, yep. we'll jump on sports center or whatever yep yep <laughs> we're not shy and we're yeah. cheap, so yeah, very true. <laughs> just beer, just beer. <laughs> going with the lake, going with the lakefront IPA tonight. Uh, lakefront Brewery, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, great stuff. Uh, can't go wrong with anything that they have. Unfortunately, you people across the country and in Canada, because we got some Canadians, you can't have this. It's yeah. sold in Wisconsin only. So I'm going with the uh, Michael Bublé and um, Rocco approved bu- uh, bubbly ball, bubbly water. It's hard to see. There, there you, you go. go. Do you think Rocco? Do you think Rocco turns up today? We'll hope so. We'll hope so. I, I'd love he didn't to want to do last this. week after. You didn't want to. Get, yeah, you didn't want to be yeah. on last week. It goes without saying, you know. Sometimes you gotta take a break, especially when you're yeah. hot, you know. Yeah. I don't blame. <laughs> so we've got some uh, weekend action uh, that took place. A couple of marquee games, thirty goals um, over the ten games, and that's you know three goals a game. I mean, Serie A rolling at a good clip. A lot, a lot of scoring going on, um, but also a lot of good goalkeeping going on too, which we'll touch on. Yeah. Um, We'll uh, touch briefly also on learning the fates of the remaining teams in European competition when those resume. A little matter of Atalanta and PSG. Giddy up. Giddy up. Gonna be fun. Lots of people. What's what's Neymar gonna do without the ball? Roll around. (laughs) How do you foul? How how do you foul a guy when he doesn't have the ball? (laughs) So that's what I want to know. Yeah. So we'll find a way. We shall see. Um, But the. Uh, marquee game from Saturday, Richard. Let's start with that. It was Juventus yeah. hosting Atalanta. Um, maybe the last real hope for a team to make something out of a uh, title race. Um, and uh, if they did, if they won, they would only be six points back. 
um, with uh, six games remaining. So it would have uh, uh, been, I'm available Tuesdays laughing out loud. Steven, we'll get you on then, man. Next, next time. <laughs> we'll remember that. Absolutely. We should see if we can get it. We want to get him on now. See if we can get him on now. It'll be the first time. Like, you know, although we had Nima come on uh, the preview show, he came on halfway through when we did the preview this year. <laughs> you remember that? I do. I do. So, I do. but, uh, but no, uh, they, can always we can always bring him in so if uh if he wants to work that out steve you want to jump on we'll get you on um but uh anyway let's uh let's let's get into this it was juve and atalanta juve comes out with uh chesney and goal uh back four of quadrado bonucci matias delict and danilo uh midfield rodrigo bentancourt blaze matuidi and adrian rabio and then in attack benedeschi ronaldo and dibala no pianic was that interesting to you it was. It was. Um, it doesn't surprise me that Rabiot was in there because he's been playing well as of late. Uh, but uh, Matuidi's hasn't had the strongest of, of last few games. And uh, that was surprising to me that he was in there over Pjanic. But I'm sure there was a reason, I guess, by, by Sari. But that was a little odd to me that not to see him uh, inserted in there. No. Um, Atalanta countering with uh, arguably the best lineup they can put out there. Sands, Robin, Gozens. Uh, Pierre Luigi Golini in goal, a back three of Toloi, Palomino, and Jim Shiti, uh, Hatibor, Deron, Freuler, and Castan, uh, Papu Gomez, Ilicic, and Duvan Zapata. Um, just filthy. That, that, that's just such an amazing lineup. Filthy. I mean, wow. I mean, yeah, Robin Gosens gets injured in, in, in warm up, and then Castan yep. comes in. I mean, he's right back, deputizing his left back, and still is amazing there. Yep, indeed, indeed. So, um, it was, it was going to be interesting. And like we said, we were looking at, we were looking at a, uh, three points for Atalanta meant a six point gap between them and Juve with six games to go. And, uh, you know, who knows what can happen when you take a look at Juve's form these days too. So yeah. game started out and in the first half, it was, uh, Atalanta enjoying the, 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 the bulk of the possession in this game. Oh yeah. Uh, also out shooting, Juventus seven to three. Uh, each team just getting a shot on target, but it would be the shot on target for Atalanta that we will talk about here uh, in this first half. It is Alejandro Gomez finding Duvan Zapata, uh, putting Ladea up a goal to nil. Um, I mean, and quite frankly, the way the game started and the way the game flowed for me, Richard, Atalanta deserved to be ahead. They absolutely no, they absolutely did. Um, they look by the they look by all accounts a scudetto contender in this game. Uh, they look like the heavyweight in this matchup, actually, honestly. Um, and you know, coming out the way they did, you know, Castagna linking up well with uh, with Papu Gomez up there in the, in the top, and then what a great move he made on Delict, huh? That's not a hard that's a yep. hard guy to make a move like that on, and he yep. just slipped a beautiful pass to Duvan Zabata scores the goal. Um, Atalanta really brought it. Uh, they opened a lot of people's eyes. People thought they were good. But then they saw what they did to Juventus, and they were like, "Whoa, okay, they are they're they're legit." Yeah, um, for sure. And good luck to PSG. <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, what did you find? What What did you think? I mean, I, Pjanic doesn't start in the midfield, so you don't have really a guy. When you look at Bendencore, Matuidi, and Rabio, you're looking at three engine room guys. And I get the reason for maybe doing that and taking Pjanic out of that mix with what Atalanta bring coming forward, and you want to have you know, bodies in there to protect the back four. And it almost looked like the tactics were going to be let them do the work, let them try to help the back four out, let them protect. And then with players like Ronaldo, Dybala, and Bernadeschi going the other way, they've got the they're, – they're loaded enough to try to exploit Atalanta, at least to me. 
that's what it appeared Saudi was going for. Yeah. One shot on target only. So they didn't really make a lot of use of their opportunities when they did win the ball. What issues did you see with Juventus in the first half? Mostly, uh, I think they underestimated how good uh, Atalanta are playing defensively as of late. I mean, they've had how many shutouts in a row? Three shutouts in a row or something yeah. like that? Uh, yeah. It's very un-Atalanta-like. We've talked about how they used to be this fun bad, allowing a lot of goals, scoring a lot of goals. Uh, not anymore. They know how to play defense. Uh, and, you know, whenever Juventus had an opportunity, it got snuffed out by not only all the midfielders they had there, but also defense. I mean, once they got to the uh, the 18-yard box, it was just shut down. They shut down shop, cleared it out, and then it went the other way. Uh Juventus looked like they were, you know, with the only, only person who looked like he had any thoughts of being in the game was Paulo Dybala. He was causing some, you know, some things here and there. But for the most part, Ronaldo was quiet. Rabio, Bernadeschi, everybody else was quiet on that team. And, and all the credit has to go with Atalanta. The ball possession, the um, uh, putting pressure on the ball, man, and, and forcing the turnovers. Uh, great job defensively by Gasparini. A very underestimated aspect of their game, especially as of late. And I think Juventus underestimated that. I thought um, I, I, I thought Remo, Fre Remo Freuler in particular in the midfield was strong, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and obviously the back three did a lot to neutralize things as well. Um, you know, Castagna dealing with uh, some of the attacks that was coming down his flank too. I think that he was pretty impressive as well. I mean, these were uh, these were some components that helped Atalanta be successful to try to um, really diffuse anything that I, that Juventus was doing going forward. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to jump in and take a look at Remo Froehler's stats in this game. Um, five, two intercepted, two passes, one five tackles. Uh, the, the most important thing from the midfield, from that midfield position, with the responsibilities that you have, no fouls, didn't foul anybody. Yeah, him um, and the room you know, were really good. Yeah, both of them, both of them were excellent, and you know, they both played, they both played cleanly. Darun was a little bit, a little bit harder on the tackle. Um, than Freuler was uh, got in late a couple times. Nothing that, yep. you know, nothing that to me was, you know, over the top. He never, he didn't get booked or anything like that. So, um, you know, and uh, there's Stevie Atalanta doing Atalanta things, but longs the city. I sit down. That's what I like to hear. Absolutely. Like to hear. He knows who brought it first. Uh, yep. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Bob saying the same thing. Hey gents, Atalanta doing Atalanta things. Of course. Yeah. They of sure course. did. They sure did today, and they did it on Juve. I just wish they would have scored more. Um, but 1-0 uh, at halftime to Atalanta, certainly the advantage to them. Um, you know, created you know seven created seven chances to, to Juve's three. Um, you know, the, the one on target is the one that they scored. Uh, you know, what did you think of the first half overall? Uh, it was a good performance overall. I mean, outstanding performance overall by Atalanta. I mean, possession was 60-40 in their favor. And honestly, it's probably a bit, it, it felt a lot more than that. It felt like it was at, at times 80-20. Uh, the way the way Atalanta was just uh, in possession, you know, getting opportunities and then recycling the back, you know, causing a turnover and continuing back wave after wave. Uh, Juventus looked like on the brink there for a while. And I'm surprised only one goal went in. Um, you know, Juve was lucky in that in that respect that they only gave one goal in that first half and gave him a chance to regroup going to halftime because they needed that. Uh, they were they were a heavyweight tinkering on the edge of getting be knocked out there uh, for a while. So um, yeah, an impressive impressive first half by Atalanta and I can't you know we want to say we're surprised and we're not. It's it's a it's a little bittersweet pill there because you know we know Atalanta does this, but to see them do it against a team like Juventus or you know like Napoli a couple weeks ago. It's just like wow, you, this team is really good, and they're they're very deep, uh, as we'll get we'll get to here in a little bit. But man, uh, 
yeah, how fun were they against Juventus that first half? Yeah, a, a very a, a strong performance from them. Pity that they didn't get more than one in that first half with the way they played. Uh, Uncle Sharma only came here for the Totti here, Richard, and you wear a cap today. There we go. There we go. That's not Totti here. That's that's Kevin. That's Kevin Karanyi, uh here. We discussed this. Uh, <laughs> it's going on Bobby English here right now. Here in a second. Yeah, we got to talk about him too. <laughs> yeah, we are. We, we're bringing back all of our favorites this week. We're going to yeah. talk about Bobby English. We're going to talk about Fazio. We're going to talk about Kalinic. We're going to Fazio and Kalinic. Good gravy. Oh, yeah. Um, Mr. Bob Lex. They are fun to watch, and yes, definitely a great chance for them in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. we'll break that. We'll break that down here shortly. So, the talking points that everybody came away from this game and and and, and lost in the performance <laughs> from Atalanta, and, and uh, let's bring up the first one. Handball in the penalty area, penalty to Juventus. Penaldo makes it 1-1. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you brought up a good point, I think, on Twitter where you said, you know, for those, especially Milan fans last week, or uh, when was it? When uh, when Milan played Juventus and we got the handball yeah. against Bonucci and everyone was saying, that was a handball. And then now they kind of turned the hand on this. It's like, it's a very similar play. It's yeah. my take, this penalty and the penalty we talk about later, uh, they're both, penalties by the law um, mm-hmm. stupid law stupid rule that needs to be changed yeah it's, it's I, I don't like the way the handball rule is now but by the rule book it is correct unfortunately uh, i mean the uh, i think it was the rune in the first place uh in a horrible spot the ball is really close to him he goes across it in he turns his arms in but it hits it hits his arm i mean it does hit his hand i mean was he trying to stop the ball from getting down no but it hit his hand and that's the, that's the law of the land and uh unfortunately for Atalanta, it's a penalty to Juventus, and I got to agree with the call by the referee and VAR, I guess, if they check that or not. But um, unfortunately, a, a good, bad call. Yep. Um, here's uh, – ciao, Miguel. Um, here is the and, – and we'll talk about this. Now, you have a, a growing and, – and, and the second one, obviously, the, uh, the Luis Muriel thing too. Um and let's and let's let's group those together because the incidents yeah. have got everybody riled up. And I get and I'm getting out of the chronological sequence of what went on in this game. But you know the the, the penalties were, ended up being the prevailing talking points from this game. And then Muriel gets a handball. You know, really not in a dangerous area, but it stinks because it's in the penalty area, and they have to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and and here's the take, and here's what I said to your point. You know. Um, I have probably been the biggest crier of Juventus privilege yeah. out of any of the English-speaking Calcio heads. That's not something that I'm I'm humbly bragging about. That's not something I'm taking pride in. That's not on your business um, card. No, it's not on my business <laughs> card. It's not in my it's not in my bio on Twitter. Um, but it's the rule that's in place, and the way that and 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 we all hate it. Yeah, because. It comes down to it, it comes down to what we perceive as common sense, you know, and it comes down to versus what the officials are told to interpret. And Nima made a point. I I, I breezed through one of his tweets where he said this. This it isn't only getting called like this in Serie A. It has been getting called like this in the Premier League. It's been getting called like this in La Liga, Bundesliga, yep. Liga. Okay, it's not an Italy thing. It is a, it is a shitty interpretation of the handball rule, okay. But 
to the credit of the officials, not just in Italy, but around Europe, it has been consistently called. Yeah. If you're going to call the handball on Bonucci in the Milan-Juventus game, you're going to have to call the handballs here. Absolutely. Okay. If you like that, if you like that call against Bonucci, you got to like these calls here, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, you don't have to. You don't have to like it. Nope. I don't like, like it. Stevie says here, you know, the, the rule is terrible, but in the end, those are the rules, and that's what we have to live with until they change it. And it's it's unfortunate. I think it's a it's a you know having a two heavyweights like this and the game being pretty much dictated because of these fouls. You know, Juventus, you know, did have to earn those kicks into the hands, but whatever. Um, this is a good time to look at those rules and look at the offseason and, and think about tinkering with them and change them because they're too too broad now. And they, I don't know how the rules are going to change and what you need to do to make it more clear, more black and white. But it, yep. I don't like the way it is now, and many people don't. But until it changes, we're gonna, we're kind of stuck with it, and you know, it's going to be hard to bitch and complain about it until they change it. Unfortunately for all of us, so it take it take it and run. And the thing that I think is going to inconvenience a lot of people that I'm about to say, I don't think they're going to change it. You know, I just don't think they're going to change it because how do you change it? That's a difficult one. You know, how do you get the referees together, especially in these times, for a convention to talk about interpreting the handball rule in the the penalty area? I I wish in some way they could aim it so that if your hand is which i thought was a long time ago was the play like if your hand is blocking either go a ball from going into the goal mm-hmm. or um it's directly stopping a ball that's going on goal you know like the loose Murillo one would be wiped away maybe the Darun one as well but i mean it's hard it's referees got to get in there like you said and 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 work on this thing and I, it's how do you decide what's what it's it's difficult yep nobody's gonna be happy no matter what so yep yep i mean and, and then it, you you do announce that you're going to change it or you're going to amend it. How many referees will stick, will abide by the changes and how many referees out of habit are going to do it the old way. And you're going to create a whole other slew of problems. I don't see this getting touched. Yeah. I, and I just, it's going to be further debate, further talking points, but what does Gasparini do after the first penalty uh, and making it one, one, <laughs> He saw he, he over the course of in the space of 10 minutes, he brings out Josip Ilicic, he brings out Duvan Zapata, he brings out Papu Gomez, best three brings, attackers, <laughs> brings on Mario Pasalic, brings on Luis Muriel, brings in Ruslan, Mal, Ruslan Malinowski. My god, what a player he's and they don't out. miss a beat, they don't miss no. a beat with that. Oh my goodness, what, what, and, how many teams can see that? Yep, and he scores a screamer. I think somebody had said, um, uh. I, that that shot almost defied the speed of sound. The goal he scored today almost defied the speed of sound as well. That left foot, that's got to be clocking 60 miles an hour. Well, I mean, he reminds me of Thomas Hitzelberger. You remember him? He used to yep. shoot rockets, and this yep. is what Malinowski looks like. I mean, you, no, no goalie had a chance, and if they did, they would have broke their hand, I think, if they, if they touched it. Um, yep. What rockets by this guy. My goodness. Yep. What a find. Uh- on an assist from Luis Muriel, and that did put Atalanta up 2-1, to one, obviously, before the uh, penalty in the 90th minute. And get ready for a theme here throughout this weekend. There were a number of 90th-minute goals <laughs> yeah. uh, over the weekend. Um, so the match ends 2-2. It pretty much makes Juventus champions elect, ends any faint hope Atalanta could have had of maybe, maybe catching them. Yeah. But... I think anybody that watched it came away with an even greater impression of Atalanta than what they had before. No, no, absolutely. And, you know, some of the stats that came out of this game from Atalanta, um, they're, they're just mind-blowing, honestly. I mean, uh, now they have three players 
with 15 or more goals in one season. It's the first time it's happened since 1952 Juventus. Uh, Gab Marcotti said something where it was uh, this is going to this is the first time this point in the season that anybody's had this many goals since Milan 70 years ago with the famous Granoli line. Um, you know, uh, Gunnar, Gunnar Gren, Gunnar Nordhall, and, and Niels Lidholm. Um, and then uh, Robin Gosens, you know, he's he has, I think, the most goals and assists out of any defender in the league. Not that he scored today, but um, to assist is, today. Yeah, today he did. Yeah. So yep. the team is just ridiculous amount they score goals and uh, full credit to Gasparini. I mean, full credit goes to the management for keeping Gasparini around and letting him do what he has to do to, you know, get his, his vision in place. But the Atalanta are just so fun to watch and they come at you at waves and waves. They do it in multiple different ways. All their their wing backs attack you, the midfields attack. I mean, it's just amazing. And at some point during the Juventus uh Juventus matchup, you said uh, their defenders up and attacking as well. It's not like they sat back and, and behind the, the midway point and just waited for the the ball to come to them. They were mm-hmm. attacking as well, rotating. It's just a rotation, like almost like a basketball team, you know? Yep. Yep. Indeed. You know, it's hard to argue, and you may even struggle to count on one hand, how many teams, how many clubs in Europe where the manager and the the technical staff, um, the, the sporting directors, are in such lockstep like they, are, like they are at Atalanta. I can think of Liverpool. Yeah. And Liverpool have an identity. Klopp has an identity, and Liverpool goes and get the players that fit the way Klopp wants to play. Yeah. Um, Atalanta, Gasparini has a vision for how he wants to play, but I think it's even more specific with Atalanta. I think that they have they have an identity. They have an identity of the kind of players and the kind of athletes that they want. And Rocco was on this podcast earlier in the season and said that if you look at the uh, Atalanta players to a man they're all similar in size build etc with the and exception fitness, of papu gomez yeah. yeah and fitness with the exception of papu gomez yeah you know and you probably could say that duvan zapata is stronger than most of these guys too yeah so you know i you know uh, after liverpool you're hard pressed to find you know rb leipzig you know yeah yeah clubs that were the Manager and the sporting staff are all on the used same to be page with, right. with 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 what they need. Yeah, it was you know like Arsenal with Wenger. Yep. So in, in in during the invincible days. And Uncle Sharma brings up a good point here. Just before that Duvan Zapata goal, there was a there was a play where Atalanta had possession of the ball for eight minutes before they scored. Yep. Um, how many teams could say they do that against Juventus? I mean, it was just ridiculous what they wave after wave against Juventus. It was just a very impressive showing by them. And I came away, you know, if this was. If this was like you know mid-season, you would think, okay, Atalanta's going to win Scudetto. They didn't have enough games, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, if they're able to keep their pieces, all these pieces, uh, whew, look at next year for everybody. Uh, Don Totti uh, on Twitter: Unreal that Juve paid a hundred million transfer fee plus thirty million in wages <laughs> for a penalty specialist. I saw that. I saw that. That was, was that, was, that was glorious. Yeah. That one Twitter that very day. Hey, um, but he's got but, 28 goals now, right? Pellegrini underscore fan. So, mm. um, the other highlight for me from Twitter was I think his uh, his 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 name is Asesore. Yeah, he's, people he's he an hates. Inter fan. <laughs> That's brilliant. 
And he came to Andrea. He came to Andrea Conti, and he said, "What was God thinking?" Brilliant, brilliant. Oh, I I love Kelcio Twitter. I mean, there's 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 no more un, there's no more no group more underrated funny. Yeah, than yeah. Than, than those guys. Absolutely, quality and- stuff. And I think this by default by who we, we follow, we, we see a lot of Milanisti and Interisti uh, comments there. But I mean, it's every team's got somebody who's just has that kind of in them, you know, and it's great. It's great to see, man. What it. was God thinking? Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> how do you say that? Was, he's like, how do you say that about somebody? <laughs> oh, my. No, that was good. That was good. <laughs> uh, a little more control out of Juventus in the second half. I mean, the four shots on target are deceiving because two of them were the penalties. Yeah. Um, but had a little bit more of the ball, you know, a lot of it because cha- they found themselves chasing the game a lot. It became uh, a midfield duel in the second half. And I think it was yeah. a great adjustment by Sarri at halftime, noticing that they were getting beaten up and they, they counteracted that. And it was more of a, a heavyweight battle in that second half of yeah. more about possession, not really opportunities either way, even though Atalanta had more of them. Um, <laughs> I just think it was uh, – uh, brilliantly played in the midfield there. Both teams just did a good job. Yeah, excellent. And what a game! What a what a great game! You know, maybe marred by some incidents that we don't like as fans of the game, but at the same time, I think we have to be we have to give credit to the referees because they've been consistent in how they called it. Now, Steve asked, there used to be an indirect free kick rule uh, yeah. for unintentional yeah. handball. I don't. Yeah, I, good question. I don't know what happened with that either. So. Juventus didn't like it, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's possible. We're never, we're never gonna. Um, what was God? Th- well, I'm sure. <laughs> LOL. Every time I see, every I think that every time I see David Luiz defend. Bob, just so you know, when I play DraftKings and I see Arsenal on the slate and I see David Luiz starting, I usually play the forward going against Arsenal. <laughs> the safe bet. Or, or I see the 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 or or the designated penalty kick taker. Uh, from that team, expecting David Luiz to commit a foul in the penalty area or commit an ugly foul or something like that. So, anyway, uh, you know, so, you know, this game, this heavyweight battle between Atalanta and Juventus, they people many thought that would be the top two teams uh, in the league. You know, based on this, this, the whole season in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after this next game, we're going to get to. I'm not so sure Juventus is in the top three in terms of right now the most dangerous teams. No. I I'll can put, actually. I'll put, I'll put them fourth. I'll put them fifth. Okay. I'm gonna who, throw. Sass, I'm gonna throw Sassuolo into that mix right now. They've won four in a row. That's a good shout. And they get to play Juventus on Wednesday. That's gonna be fun to watch. That's so, gonna be fun to watch. Dave, I, I was telling a friend of mine. I said I think Sassuolo is going from fun bad to fun. Yeah. So they're winning. They're just, yeah. They found out how to win, and uh, yeah, we're gonna get to that game here in a second. But uh, there was another big game uh, this this past weekend. Uh, it was obviously Napoli, who's been one of the strongest teams in the in the restart. Uh, only loss they had was to Atalanta, and then Milan. Uh, have also had a very strong start as well, and so a um, lot riding on the line here. Not only Europa League, but you know just places in general. Both trying to uh, jump over Roma, which is uh, you know they're waiting to see who what these teams would do, hoping they would cancel each other out. And you know the lineups in this one, um, the home team uh, Napoli came out with David Ospina in goal. They had a back four. Of uh, Di Lorenzo, Maximovic, Kulabali, and Mario Rui uh, had a midfield of uh, Fabian Ruiz, Labotka, and Zelinski, and up top the the the, the normal three: Callejon, Mertens, and Insigne. Um, pretty standard lineup for me. 
Um, are you surprised that they went with the little threes at the top instead of uh, having um, uh, Milik in there, or 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 how about Labotka as well? That was that was a curious insertion for me, but I'm curious what you thought of their their starting eleven. Yeah, I was just gonna say that Labotka for me starting over Deme was interesting, but I think that's a rotation thing um, with playing every three days, and Deme's been playing a lot, um, so. Uh, I think they scrapped the rule when they changed the handball rule. I think uh, that's probably right, Bob. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So Lobotka coming in for Deme. That that like I said, that might be rotational. Um, and the front three. I like this front three against the back four. I don't know if I like Milik against um, Kiara and Romagnoli. The the combination of Kiara and Romagnoli. Um, you know, so you've got Insigne, who will shoot from everywhere uh, and, and be a big, big problem for Andrea Conti. Um, you've got Dries Mertens, who can do a lot of running and unlock. And I think when you look at it, when you look at what Higuain did to unlock um, the, the, the the two center backs uh, on Rabio's goal last yeah. week, yeah. you know, yeah. you're going to have Mertens doing that a lot more than Milik. Milik's going to be a ball holder. Milik's going to be a big target that's going to get up against one of them and it's not going to be you know and we talked about this he'll tend to be a little bit more predictable to deal with you know yeah. where Mertens will get in there and mix it up a little bit um and then you've got Callihan with the uh, with a bevy of technical tricks with his with his ability to pass his ability to serve a ball you know and things like that it's a good front three and it was one that you know was going to pose a problem for Milan for me it was going to pose a bigger problem than starting Milik as a Milan fan I would have liked Milik to start I uh, know, yeah. Um, I, yeah, if I was a Milan fan, yeah, I wouldn't want Milik to start, but because you know the the front three that you know of Merton, Callejon, and Signe, they're going to cause trouble. Uh, just just they're moving around in general, and you you know they can play in any one of those positions. Uh, it makes mm. it difficult for a defense. Um, and looking at the Milan starting lineup, Gigi Odonnarumma and goal. Uh, what was God thinking? Andrea Conti at right back, uh, Chiara Romagnoli and Teo Hernandez round out the back four. In the midfield, you had Kessier. Ben Acer and Paqueta, and then up top you had Chalanolu, Rebic, and Ibrahimovic. Uh, it was kind of like a 4-2-3-1. Uh, what would you make of the lineup? Fairly standard lineup there. Yeah, but um, I mean, we, we learned the hard way that Paqueta is not a flank player. No, no. You know, and uh, so that was a curious one for me. I thought it would have been something where when I initially saw the team lineup and I saw those three sitting in front of Kessie and Ben Acer, I thought that you know, Paqueta would be in the middle, Chalanola would be on the left, and they were starting Rebic on the right. Um, but that's not what happened. Uh, so um, Rebic moved around, though, uh, you know, a little bit here. But Paqueta, I think, is more comfortable playing in a central role. Uh, so so for me, it was for me it was a, a strange uh, setup that they put together. But, uh, you know, also understand, and yeah, you're trying to – to Miguel's point, you're trying to figure out how to replace Castilejo in that lineup with what he brought. Um, yeah. So, uh, but this is the way they were that Pioli was going to try to make it work in this game. Yeah, and we'll get to the guy who we thought could take his place, Salamakers, a little bit later. <laughs> uh, but in this one, it's kind of uh, a team of two two teams playing to their strengths. You had Napoli playing to their possession strength. Not many teams can outpossess them uh, outside of maybe Atalanta. Uh, and then Milan sitting back, defending, and then counterattacking, uh, both doing it successfully. I thought uh, it was it looked like two, a heavyweight bout in this one. Um, 
you know, Napoli obviously has shared most of the possession early on, Frank. Uh, but then we get uh, one of the goals of the weekend candidates in the 20th minute. Uh, Ante Rebic, a kind of like no look, cross the box pass, finds Teo Hernandez, who one times a beautiful volley off the ground over Ospina into the goal. What a goal! What a play! Uh, Milan counterattacking and uh, and catching catching Napoli. I mean, both teams were strong in the first half, but Milan got the first uh, first goal in there against the run of play too. Yeah, um, Napoli controlled this. They they controlled possession. They were generating chances. I don't think up until the twentieth minute they got anything terribly dangerous. No, but um, still the threat was there. Uh, Milan goes the first time of asking, they score. I usually see this all the time with Milan. It's they're they're the team that's controlling the possession. They're generating the chances, maybe not getting any on target, and then the other team goes away, goes the other way, and on the first opportunity they score. Yeah. So, um, salsiccia maker. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so kind of a hey, look what we found. Uh, lucky to be up one nil, but. Uh, you know, that's what you do. You stay, especially against a team like Napoli who can have that ability to uh, control the game, especially at the San Paolo. You need to take uh, advantage of the opportunities when they arrive. A bit of a snatch and grab goal to Bob's point. So. Yep. No, 100%. Uh, and then, you know, Milan are waiting that game for those counterattacking goals and try to catch them on the run of play against the run of play. And they did so. Uh, and, you know, Napoli would get back into the possession and try to get a, a goal back. You knew they had it in them. And in the 33rd minute, they did have a set piece. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne, you talked about who shoots from anywhere, uh, had a lovely, beautiful cross in the box. Uh, looked like Di Lorenzo was going to get on it from the beginning. Gigio flubs it uh, on the doorstep. Di Lorenzo puts it away, 1-1. Uh, for me, and, and to Steve's point, uh, Gigio, he needs to get that. Uh, he parted away poorly. He should have he came out a little bit more on that. Uh, he, it was his fault that goal happened. But what a play by Insigne to swing it in the box. And Di Lorenzo... You know, heads up on the plate to get that goal in. Did it look to you like Gigio was 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 caught? It was. It, it felt to me. No man's land. No. Um, I think it, it felt to me in that situation he was caught in two thoughts. Yeah. Whether he could grab it or whether he should parry it. You know, it almost felt like he was stuck in in and. I think went with one decision or the other at the last second and it just didn't work out. And it's just one of those things that tells you when you get, when, when you're a goalkeeper and when you're in that situation, you have to make the decision before the ball arrives and you have to commit to that decision, regardless of what might change in front of you. Um, so, uh, and I think that that's what I, I kind of thought Donnarumma got caught doing, but nonetheless, yeah, you've got to do something there uh, in that situation. Um, Many people and, were screaming uh, that he should have, you know, parted to the side or something, not right there in the middle where, you know, Di Lorenzo happened to pick it up and, and knock it in there for the tying goal. Yeah, but you know what? This is the beautiful thing. Samir, Hadan Samir Handanovic said, hold my beer. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> did. Yes, he did. He did. <laughs> they did. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> it just it would have been funnier if Torino would have won the game uh, with that one goal. But Yeah, no, it didn't happen, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Their defense showed up. Yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, 1 1, uh, 1 1 at that point, and they go to halftime by that scoreline. Um, overall, first half, uh, good possession by Napoli. Uh, both teams, just, like I said, continue on. Uh, you know, Napoli with possession and Milan just looking for the counter. Uh, but it was it was two heavyweights, I thought, in that matchup, and both teams looked uh, like they were 
like we mentioned this earlier, Atalanta is playing the best in Serie A at the moment. I think Napoli is second, Milan third. Uh, you think Sassuolo fourth? I think Juventus fourth. So um, the, those three, these two, te- these two teams and Atalanta are just playing so well at the moment, and they're playing everybody this difficult. And it's good to see two teams that are this good, uh, you know, using their strengths and and taking advantage of each other on uh, on on those plays. So yeah, what'd you make of it? Well, I mean, for the calamity that was that issue that that led to Napoli tying the game, uh, the mistake by Donnarumma, he also kept them in position. He had some big saves to early on one, to, to keep it at one one. So, you know, and it's like I said, he's been both good and tragic in this game. Um, you know, unfortunately, and I, Gijo with this build needs to command the six yard box. He can't come out like an AA player. Um, and then, and that's what Steve says. Bob says that happens with a lot of goalkeepers. You reckon he trusts his defenders in front of him? I think he trusts his defenders fine. I think this is a. I, I think it's a decision a decision issue, and unfortunately, I don't think that. If I go, you know, I think hard enough, I think long enough. This is not the first time this has happened with Donnarumma, you know, where, and I think that that's, (laughs) yeah, for as many games as he's played, he's still young, you know, and might just get, okay, I can catch this. No, I might have to parry it, you know, and then get caught in that moment. And that's, that's how you flub it. Um, and, and and go from there, but it was mystifying to me. But so for for as much as we'll rail Donnarumma for that mistake, he also kept Milan in this game because I thought yeah. Napoli after that first half, I thought Napoli deserved more uh, than what they got in the first half. No, yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. And I think with, with Donnarumma is when he doesn't have to think about the play when it's a reaction save, he's brilliant. Yeah. When he has to think about it for just a split second, it, it kind of throws him off. He can't make that decision just right yet. It'll come with age, you know, like you said in time. But um, yeah. He could have done a lot better with that, but like you said, he had some great saves in the first half, and you know it ended up one-one there. Uh, so coming out of the second half, a, a change uh, that we kind of expected. Paqueta off, uh, and then Salamakers in. Uh, he would not have the full second half, uh, but uh, we'll get to that. Um, so the goal scoring started in uh, about the 60th minute or so. Um, beautiful play, I, I think, it was Callejon coming down the right right-hand flank, beating his man. Uh, I think it was Teo Hernandez swings it in and. Dries Mertens gets good, good, decent wood on it, right through the five hole of of Gigio, Gigiro, Gigio Donnarumma messes up completely. Another flub, uh, lets him go right between his legs and in the goal. Um, another one he should have had. He had some yeah. big plays, but uh, he had two duds in this game for sure. But I'll I'll start with b- before that issue. I mean, the the, the run by Mertens was smart. Um, and and that's just Callahan and Mertens playing just so many games together and and, and being able to read each other and anticipate that. But (laughs) Benacer and I'm going to bring that up. Yeah. Benacer needs to catch it quick. And I think that it was a situation where it looked like, and I want to say it was Kessie initially that was shadowing Meritons on that. And it looked like it was a pass off situation. And there was some breakdown in communication there because Benacer saw Meritons run late you know, couldn't get over there to deal with the shot. So, so yeah. that's where the issue is for Milan defensively. Um, before, you know, and, and yeah, Donnarumma's got to save it. No problem. Um, how can the team evaluate Paqueta if we continue to play him in the wrong position? Excellent point. 100%. Yep. Yeah. He's got to play in the middle of the park. He's got to be in a central style of role. It, that, 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 that's where he's best suited. He's not a flank player. He's, I mean, he's not going to outpace anybody. No, he's a shifty right? guy. He's not a pace guy. Yeah. He's a guy that's going to create his own space to make his decisions. 
okay, and use this technique. But he's yeah. not a guy that you know. When you you know, I when I when I want guys in the wide areas, whether it's a four two three one or a four three three, I want guys that can that can run. Yep. Okay. Whether they cut inside with pace, whether they take it to the end line with pace, that's 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 what I'm looking for. Um, and Pocketa doesn't do that. Pocketa's a guy that's going to have to hold the ball. Now, if you want him to play on the right side of that four two three one, then you better get Andrea Conti going forward a ton because that's where your pace is going to have to happen, and that's where your services are going to have to get whipped in. Okay. And Pocketa can be a guy that can play narrower, get the ball, hold it, have Conte to be able to play to, have Ibra to play into his feet, you know, or be able to switch the ball from that position. Because we've seen – you've seen Italy do that, yeah. you know, with yeah. with their 4-3-3 setup. What does Verratti do? He plays to the left of Jorginho now. Jorginho plays in that pivot. And then Verratti plays a little higher, but he plays a little bit narrower. So whoever's playing left back in that 4-3-3 can come forward. Or it, he, you let – Yep. Insigne have that width. So pretty similar situation. If you're going to use Pacata in that role, it's got to be narrow. And the right back's got to be a guy that's willing to bomb forward. Now, do you want to know – good evening, Sabrina. Do you want to know – if you want to use Pacata outside of the middle, do you know where he's he's far better on the left? Because who plays on the left? Tail. Yeah, Tail loves And Tail loves going forward. Yeah. Okay. No one does it better. Yeah. So sit Pacata narrow on the left instead of – narrow on the right, okay? And then have Rebic play on the right and play higher if Conte is not going to be the guy that gets forward. So now you can get some kind of – you can get some dynamics going on. Rebic can can run at people a little bit. But with Pocketa now he's holding it in a high, in a higher and narrower area. Teo can go around him, so you've got some 2v1 there. You've got Ibrahimovic that can link up so you can play into Ibra. He can drop it to Teo. Or turn and 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 you have it's it's a lot more dynamic that way. I don't like if you're gonna so if you want to get Pocketa out of the middle, have him on the left. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um that's just that's that's where I'm at with with if you if you're gonna play him in the wrong position. But ultimately he's a central player. I agree hundred percent. Um so yeah, Napoli take the lead in the sixtieth minute, two one, and if they fully deserve that lead at that point, in my opinion. They just were they looked a better yeah. team, even though both both teams are playing well. I think Napoli did a little bit more that they deserved a lead in that one. Um, as a result, um, and it's probably going to happen before the goal or not, but uh, uh, Giacomo Bonaventura comes on for Chalanolu. Zlatan comes off. Le- uh, Leo, Leao, excuse me, comes on. Uh, so a little bit, a little bit uh, pace, a little bit uh, fresher guys in this one. This wasn't uh, an Ibra game. It was not. not. With, it was not. not. He was frustrated all game. He was frustrated. Not with Koulibaly game. back there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was an easy night for Koulibaly. Yeah. Um, I because there's not a lot of dynamism. I mean, Ibra's so technically good and he's a presence, but he's easy to track at his age, let's face it. Okay. Um, so it's a lot easier for Koulibaly to deal with someone like that versus somebody that's going to be a little bit shiftier. Um, so yeah, you had to make a change and and as much as we all revere much as we all revere him, you know, it was it was the right move to make. Yeah, no, no, 100%. Um, and we get to a point of the game where, you know, the theme of the weekend is handball calls or, or just fouls in general in the box, penalties. Uh, and we get to a point, and I want to get the, the, also the reaction of the, of the people in the chat as well. Uh, in, the 70, in the 70th minute or so, um, Milan is pressing up forward. Uh, Bun- a ball gets in the box. Bonaventura gets taken down by Maximovic, I believe it is. Yep. Uh, they call a penalty. They go to VAR. They confirm it's a penalty. 
a lot of people on Twitter were either for penalty or against the penalty. What was your take on the penalty there before I tell you what mine is? Oh, well, um, I think we got a gift. Do you? Yeah, I think we got a gift there. Uh, it was – there's not much in it. There, there really isn't. I mean, yeah, there was a collision a little bit there. Um, but I don't think that it was enough to warrant calling it a foul. So my take, my take is that um, I thought it was a good call. I did. Yeah. Uh, it took me a while, though. I deliberated back and forth a lot. I watched a lot of angles. Uh, there's two angles in particular. There's one, and I want to say it's maybe not directly behind Maximovic, but just to the side where it looks like his, his thigh hits Bonaventura, right? That's one. And another mm. angle from the behind Bonaventura where his foot at the same time takes out his foot. So to me, it looked like there's con- two points of contact there that, that came down. Now, was it strong yeah. enough to make him fall? I don't know, but the penalty is not as it's not as clear cut penalties, I think, as the, the two in the Juventus game. Um, even though those are debatable. Uh, but but yeah, I was fine with the call there. Obviously, I'm happy as a Milan fan, but uh I've I've seen worse calls. I've seen worse calls. So I was okay with it. Even if whether it happened to Milan or Napoli, I thought it was a good call. So I found it to be on the soft side. So we'll 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 agree to we'll agree to disagree on that one, I guess. Mr. Bob says he thought it was he thought it was a soft penalty. Then, well, he's asking us. Um, Stevie says terrible penalty. They're moving soccer plays from the game that was a tackle. Yeah. You know where? Do you know where soccer players get? Do you know where soccer players get removed the most? Youth soccer, and I think it's just because referees yeah. are just so damn inexperienced. And I've you know when I I coached for so many years. And I had to, when it, like a foul would get called against one of my players, and instead of arguing with the referee, I would just look at, I would just say to my player, clap and say, hey, that was great defending. I thought you were going to say that was great, great defending. Back up. Back up. We'll get it back, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, so, th- you know, things like that. Or I, I think I've even said to referees, I said, you're taking the game away from them, you know. Um, so I, I'm, I'm arguing that it's on the soft side. Yeah. And I think our, I think our, our chat room is, is split as well. Um, you know, we're talking about refereeing and good refereeing in particular. We talked about last game. Um, you know, the referee there did let them play a couple of times. Froler making some tough tackles on Dybala and some other guys um, like Cuadrado. And they let that play go. And I thought those were good plays. And that's soccer, football that we're used to. Uh, and then sometimes there's plays like this where it, it could have been a little bit softer call. And uh, unfortunately, it goes in this time as a penalty. So referees could be more consistent in that, but I, I love it when they do let them play. That's probably the appeal for a lot of people in the Premier League is because they do let them play a little bit more, it's a little bit tougher in that league. But uh, regardless, I think it is uh, it is getting softer overall. And you, know, you have guys like Neymar who just roll like 500 times after they get hit. So, yep. Doesn't help. So. Doesn't help. Regardless, a penalty was called. Um, uh, Frank Kessier steps up, scores the goal. Uh, that would be all the goals in the game, 2-2. But before the game ended, there was a little bit of drama. Uh, Milan, of course, had to bring the drama. Salamaker is in the 85th minute. He gets a yellow for a stupid play. Two minutes later, I guess he had amnesia, did another stupid play. Uh, he gets sent off with a red card. Um, oddly enough for me, I think Teo Hernandez earlier in the game should have got a red card when he got a yellow. And I, I forget when he got the yellow card, uh, yeah. 75th minute. Mm-hmm. He put his studs up to the shins of... Elmas, I believe it was, or maybe it was somebody else on the other side. But I thought it was a red card. Uh, Milik, it was Milik. And then Conti had a, another play a couple minutes later on, on Elmas. But Teo Hernandez got away with one, I think. Salamaker's stupid on that play. Um, I, I, I saw your tweets about him. Uh, I know you weren't too happy with him uh, in his uh, stupid moments there. It could have cost him the game. 
Um, here's the uh, issue with Salamakers. I think he can be a good player. I think he's the classic player that is young, that's coming over from the Belgian league and trying to adapt to a faster, more physical league like Serie A. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think that he's got some decent technique to him. I think he's still trying to figure it out uh, in a more competitive environment. Um, but at the same time, I think that, you know, he's, he's also doing things that are a little bit typical of a player like that, you know, that's still trying to adapt. And yeah, I mean, the, 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 the going, you're on a yellow going to ground is no, no, the last thing you should be doing. So, um, that's something that he'll learn. Okay. I mean, he's still 18, was he 18, 19 years old? So He's he's young. I think he can still. I think he still has a chance. I'm not going to tell you know it, it's it's hard for me to say that a young player doesn't belong or he doesn't fit or he struggles or you know some people are saying I have yet to see a game where he really belongs in this Milan team. I said, well, you know what? He's also a teenager. Okay, um, so I see traits that's that that suggest to me that he can do it. Yeah, um, I, he needs to adapt, and and many players come over to Serie A, you know, struggling right off the bat. Uh, are struggling early on and needing to needing to have time to, you know, to acclimate, needing to have time before they actually make an impact, especially if you're coming over from a league like the Belgian league. Um, when, and I don't want to be disrespectful to them because there's some very good teams. There's some very talented players, um, you know, that come over from there. South Sea maker. Yes, you're right. So um, it's uh, – so, you know, there's an issue there. And then, you know, you've got some other clumsy challenges that went on in this game from Milan. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and that they got, that they got away with it. And there's, yeah, when you're, when you're in good form and when you're, when you're having some success, you're, you're also riding a little bit of a wave, a little bit of a wave of luck too. Yeah. Uh, in the process. Game end 2-2. Uh, looking at statistics, 50-50 was possession. Uh, surprised with that. Uh, I mean, it doesn't make. I guess I'm not surprised because Milan were down two to one. They needed to catch back up, so they were going to have some more of the possession because of that. Uh, saves. GGO made some big saves in the game, like we said. Uh, had two big flubs, but he had some spectacular saves, and he really he kept them in the game. Honestly, um, uh, total shots. I think it's 14 to four in favor of Napoli. Yeah. Um, shots on target nine to four. So, you know, overall. It's kind of the assessment I got is that Napoli. Looking at this game, I thought Napoli was the second best team in the league. Watching this, just the way Gattuso's got them playing, they're humming now. They're playing almost Saudi like ball now. He's kind of like, you know what, you know what, you guys are too good at. I'll just fix the defense a little bit, makes it a little bit more stout. Yep. Um, and they look at they look every bit of it, and, and Gattuso is looking better and better each each week, each game uh, because mm-hmm. of it. And uh, Milan, they didn't look like slouches either. They looked like they could take some punches and then counteract. So. Uh, two good teams here. I thought um, you know, having two big heavyweight matchups in this in this week uh, was fun to watch. And uh, yeah, I was uh, I was happy. I think the team who's, person who's most happiest or the team that's most happiest is Roma. These two teams, not not you know, they share the points, allows them to get a you know a win and get some separation, which is uh, I know they're happy about because um, those two teams on their tail trying to take that fifth spot away from them. Yep. Um. On the on the whole of the game, Napoli deserved to win. I agree um, with the chances that they created. I mean, I'm gonna 
go for some shock value with the man of the match, and I'm going to say it's going to be Donnarumma because, okay, he had two tragic mistakes that left Milan with only a point, but you can also argue because of him, Milan have a point yeah, uh, instead of yeah. zero. It's going to be a polarizing situation for Milan fans you know, across the board. Um, but he made, I'm going to say it again, he made two mistakes on the goals. <clears throat> you know, misjudgment on the Di Lorenzo goal just needs to flat out come up with a save on the Mertens goal. Yeah. Um, but the other five saves were all critical. And he came up big, um, you know, and, and allowed Milan to be able to to get a point out of this at the San Paolo. And I said it right right after that match was over with. I said, you take this point and you run as far the fuck away from the San Paolo as you can. Yeah. So, um, you know, so for me, it was it was Donnarumma on the Milan side. I, I You could probably say Frank Kessie was very good again. Um, and then uh, when I look at the... When I look at the Napoli side, uh, you know, Dries Mertens for the goal that he scored. Um, And uh, Insigne was very influential in this game. Mario Rui played really well um, on the left side as well. I thought that those guys were all good. So, um, but, you know, you could say if it's not for Donnarumma, Milan would have won. But it's also, you could also say if it was not for Donnarumma, Milan would have lost. So, yeah. No, that's a fair shot. If I wasn't picking Donnarumma, I'd probably pick Chiara. I thought his defense, I'm going to say his defense, uh, played really well. He did a really good job, uh, especially when Milik got in there. He was you know, able to counteract him, and he did pretty good against the Littles while they were in there together. So, um, The Littles, is that what we're going to call them? Yeah, I'm going to call them. They're I like all, that. They're, I all like four, that. they're all four foot five, you know. Insigne, Mertens, Callihan, the Littles. <laughs> <laughs> get, our, get our Napoli guys listening to that. I think they're going to run with that. Remember we talked about when they were defending set pieces, I think when we had McGee on a few years ago, and I asked him, I said, uh, I said, what are you doing about defending corners because it's Koulibaly and 10 little boys back there. <laughs> and he just laughed at that. Yeah, now it's like – Maximovic, Kulibali, and then the rest of the littles, you know. So yeah, yeah. So now the three, the three littles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three, the three little pigs. <laughs> uh, and I say that I say that in an endearing way because they're all entertaining to watch. Absolutely, they're they're phenomenal players. So especially together. So yep. Well, those are two big matchups, Frank. Uh, we had a lot of other games, a lot of other goals. Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into it, and then we will uh, let the fun started on Saturday. And we have a game here that we're going to have to unpack a little bit too. Here, Richard Lazio one, Sassuolo two. Luis Alberto in the thirty third minute, uh, putting Lazio ahead, but then Sassuolo coming good in the second half. Raspadori in the fifty second. He actually had a goal called back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the first half, and um, I got to go back and I got to find my game sheet on this. I think they called it, it offsides on on his play, um, but yeah, Caputo set him up beautifully for the, his goal. I mean, what a play! Yep, Giacomo Raspadori scoring and then turning provider in the ninety first minute. Uh, so in stoppage time for my cousin Francesco Caputo to give Sassuolo the two one win. Uh, I went to Twitter and I said, uh, Sassuolo has won four in a row and they're only four points out of seventh and no one is talking about it. Wow. The Zerbi, uh, deserves mention in the manager of the year conversation. He's not going to be the winner obviously, but, uh, what a job he's done with the team. We've, we've talked about how they've been fun, bad, uh, and they figured out, like you said, early in the podcast, they're fun now. Uh, they yep. figured out the defensive end. They're they're they've strung some wins together now. They're they beat Lazio. 
Um, it's a quality win for them. You know, Lazio is a head case at the moment, but it's still a quality win against a, a team like that. So um, they continue to find ways to do it, whether it's, you know, the the, the normal front three or you get, you get the new man, Raspatorian, and he gets a goal. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great job by Dejerbi overall, and it's great to see that this team is, is getting some wins now and maybe getting some notoriety that they probably deserve. We talked, you know, they scored a lot of goals, but they're also been a joke because of the defense that they had. But, you know, now they're kind of maybe finding a new a new light. And good for Sassuolo to have a youth team product in, in Giacomo Raspadori. He's a little shit, 5'8", 152. Um, it's all compared to the littles of Napoli. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to Napoli and then they have a target man, right? Yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's great stuff. But no, he, he – uh, but uh, like the look of that kid. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's – He's in the mold of those little Napoli forwards. He's 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 he buzzes around a little he's bit. Knows for the goal and gets in good position. He got in good positions in this game and and makes it two one. Um, but you know Sassuolo is in that spot. But you know for Lazio and and Jerry has said this. It's you know I caught Jerry saying this and and uh, Jerry's a broken man right now. <laughs> but they're they're playing the same guys every three days. I mean Inzaghi is running this team into the ground. I mean this. It's what we complained about Sadi with Napoli a couple years ago. Yep. You know, not rotating yep. enough, not enough depth. Yep. I mean, you you had two I, – I, I see two changes from the last time they played. I see Jordan Lukaku started, and I see Bastos started um, for Patrick and uh, Johnny. So after that, after that Milan loss, I said, you know, Atalanta is probably going to finish second this year. Um, I think you know we see it, we see it now, but you know that Atalanta loss that they had early in the restart messed them up mentally. I think it set the tone for sure. It did. It did. They came up two nothing lead, looked like they're gonna be world beaters still, and then Atalanta roared back, beat them, and then they never looked the same since. Um, Immobile is finding it hard to struggle. He's, he's finding it hard to score now. He's still getting goals here and there, but look at now Ronaldo's had so many goals. You know, they, they looked at the statistics in the first 14 games and, the, and then since the 14 games, and there was like 11 goal difference between them, and now it's one goal. Um, granted, a lot of penalties, probably from both players, really, but it's yep. uh, that's why, you know, Michael Lisi put out a poll saying, who do we think is going to win the Capo Canieri, Immobile or Ronaldo? Immobile, picked, he's going to win. I picked Ronaldo, and I, I know you don't like to hear it, and, and Jerry either, but the way the, the trend has been setting with both these players, the forms of their teams, you got to like Ronaldo and his team a little bit more than Lazio at the moment just because there's so much head cases there. And they they can't figure it out. And they're every game, they're just getting beat by teams they shouldn't beat and shouldn't lose to. And it's 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 crazy. We and we talked about this with Inter in the past and Roma in the past. This is Lazio this season now. Unfortunately, at the very end of the season when they couldn't afford it. Yep. Part of me thinks this uh, Swallow run will normalize though. Uh, we, I mean, here's their next four: home, hosting Juve at Cagliari. Um, not a given. Uh, very steamy in Sardinia this time of year. Um, hosting Milan and then at Napoli. Um, so um, part of me thinks that with that slate in front of them, they'll finish up at home against Genoa and then Udinese. But things normalize a little bit. And then when you just look at the remaining fixtures, maybe they're not that big a threat um, for the European places. But it's worth noting right now because they are on 46 points uh, in eighth place with Milan on 50. So, um, yeah. So that's uh, uh, Anthony Leo checking. Yeah, the boys checking in on the drive home. You, do you know what it is? I know what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is? <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. Lazio <laughs> shitting the bed, I guess, every every time of year. I don't know. Yep. 
Welcome to the show, Anthony. Yep. It's uh, trouble for Lazio. I mean, and they're going to be in the Champions League next season, but they are limping to the finish right now. Uh, and it looks like, you know, as you said, this is, you know, the Maurizio Sarri's Napoli just in the form of Simone and Sagi's Lazio, just running guys into the ground at this point. So, fortunately, yeah. Yep. Well, I got to talk about a few of my favorite players here in this next game. Brescia hosting Roma. Um, <laughs> it pains you, I know. Yeah, the calamity that is Brescia lately. They gave up six to Atalanta today. They gave up three at home to Roma. And are they desperately missing Joronin in goal? Yeah. Uh, this Lorenzo Andranacci. Uh, yeah. He, you might as well just have dragged somebody off the street and say go in goal. Um, and at the same time, to you know, to to stand up for this poor bastard, I don't think he could have stopped any of Atalanta's six today. So, and I don't no. think Urinen could have either. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, it but it says something when you have a different goalkeeper back there. What it does to you defensively, it does mess you up a little bit. The dynamics yeah. change. The communication is different. What goalkeepers want, and um, you know, things like things like that. So. Um, but nonetheless, they play, they, this, this guy's so bad that he let Federico Fazio and Nicola Kalinic score on him in the same game. He should retire. He should, retire. <laughs> he should quit. He, should, he quit. should quit. Shouldn't a manager be sacked for that, allowing that to happen? Everybody. <laughs> I mean, Chilino should have just scrapped the whole damn thing. Um, and, and and say goodbye. So, uh, Miguel laughing out loud when Atalanta. Yeah, they swapped out. They substituted their goalkeeper today. That's how bad surprised it was. Their goal, I'm surprised their backup goalkeeper didn't score a goal. Freaking A. Good Lord. But, okay, so Federico Fazio scores in the 48th minute for Roma. Nikola Kalinic, uh, you know, has to be said, uh, nice. Nice touch. First nice. touch Oh yeah. uh, on that cross that came, you know, receiving that cross from Carlos Perez. Uh, to make it 2-0, and then uh, the, 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 a goal that I think all Italian fans want to see, Nicola Zagnolo, uh, which is a goal of the week candidate for me, um, finishing it off and sending Roma out in style to a 3-0 win. Um, badly needed for them uh, right now because, you know, it put the pressure on uh, Napoli and Milan, you know, going in. But Roma got by Parma. Prior to that, they had lost to... They had lost three straight, um, lost to Milan, lost to Udinese, lost to Napoli. They, they were able to beat Parma, you know, so now they've got the win back in their sails a little bit, and they're going to need it with a with a tricky one at home against Verona tomorrow uh, and then hosting Inter, uh, you know, before going to Spal, who look like they've just quit. Um, but then they finish hosting Fiorentina at Torino at Juve. So uh, right now they're in fifth, but with the way things are going for Roma, every – um, uh, every point is necessary right now for them. Yeah, and it showed how important those three points were, especially with Milan and uh, Napoli drawing, getting a point each. I mean, they currently sit in fifth place, and they got, what, two-point advantage over Napoli and a four-point advantage over Milan. So um, it's critical this time of year, especially when you start playing the bigger <laughs> opponents, to have uh, have those wins in your pockets uh, towards the end of the year. It becomes vital, um, and that could be what, you know, you know, these couple wins, these last couple games, could be what sets them in Europa League next year or not. Um, and they they put themselves in a really good position by winning these two games, especially the Parma game. How many people thought they could uh, get the three points there? 
uh, and they did. And then obviously coming back with a, a with an emphatic win against Brescia. And it's good to see those guys that you mentioned, Fazio and, and Kalinic scoring, and especially Zaniolo. Um, all the all Azzurri yeah. all Azzurri fans are happy to see him back and, and scoring goals again. So um, yep. he looked good. He looked good in this one. Yep, indeed. So that was uh, Roma winning by three goals to nil. Uh, Sunday opened up with a very important game uh, at the bottom of the table between Genoa and Spal. Uh, it would be Genoa winning by two goals to nil. Goran Pandev, 75-year-old Goran Pandev, coming through in the 24th minute. Um, and uh, in the 54th minute, Lasse Schöner with a great free kick, goal of the week candidate, yeah. uh, giving the Grifone a big, big, big three points. Uh, Spal... Huh. Put dirt on them. Yeah, yeah. They're done. They're done. I mean, let's be nice. Mathematically, they're still in it because there's six games left. There's 18 points available, but they've got 19. They're 11 points out of safety. It just it ain't happening. They're going down to Seti B. They are. They are. And really, the only two only teams now that have a chance. Uh, Lecce is the only one of that group of the bottom three that has a chance to get out. Um, and they're it's pretty close to Genoa. Those are big points for Genoa to, to leapfrog Lecce. Uh, Lecce had a tough game against uh, a Cagliari that we'll get to, but um, those are vital points. This time of year, we saw, you know, Sampdoria gets a result this weekend as the Genoa. It's big for those Genovese clubs. They've been around yeah. Syria for so long. Um, they need to get wins. They, draws is not enough, especially with Lecce as of late. It's been pretty hot, um, which is hard. To, it's remarkable to say with Lecce being hot, um, but they have been. And, uh, you know, getting that win last week that not many people expected, by Lecce, you know, puts a lot of pressure on Genoa, and they came up big in this one, you know, because this could have been the make or break right here. This is almost a relegation six-pointer for them, you know. If they, they lose, or could be SOL, and uh, they came up big. The, the goods came. Ge- Genoa outshot Spall 16-3. to Leticia had to make six saves in this game for Spall. It could have been worse. Was Genoa really this good, and did they have the potential to be this good, or has Spall quit? Yes. No, it, it's, more, <laughs> it's, more, it's more Spall quit. Um, Genoa has a potential of being decent, not good. I think decent. They have potential of being mid-table team. They got some pieces there, but not enough. Uh, but Spall has certainly gone on vacation. They've quit. Yeah. Um, I haven't even seen Patania lately. It seems well, like you he's know, been you, you, you know when they quit. You know when they confirmed the relegation and they appointed Luigi Di Biagio to be their coach. Oh, I know. So there's what a. It is. I'm trying to find this tweet that Chloe sent out, and I thought it was a song about Patania because it's something about he loves pasta, he, lo- he loves pasta, he loves pizza. No, that was about Cutrone. Yeah, 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 I know, but it, it, I was like, what is that? Is that Patania? Because he loves freaking eating food, and look how big he is. But anyway, no, that's about that song's about Cutrone. <laughs> that's a, wolves. Wolves sang that about him. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember. I remember that. Uh, and then the last of my batch. Uh, uh, was a goalkeeper's duel between Cagliari and Lecce. Literally, Cragno for Cagliari, eight saves. Gabriel for Lecce, five saves. Game ended nil-nil. A point for Lecce, not enough. But going to Sardinia, um, certainly a, uh, a a vital point for them is they're trying to uh, piece it together. Uh, Cagliari look like they're playing it out right now, sitting in 11th. Uh, can argue that they've hit the beach. But Lecce right now, we talked about Genoa. Lecce host Fiorentina tomorrow, and then it is a huge match on Sunday uh, at Genoa at yeah. the Marassi. Yeah, so. I'm watching that game for sure. And I don't say that often about Lecce and, and Genoa, but... Um, You'll be the yeah. only one. I will, I will be. I will be. But it's okay. It's okay. It's a big game. Uh, well, it's the only Italian game on at that time, so I'm, I'll, I'll probably be watching it as well. There you go. See, two of us. Hey, where you go? Well, no, I don't... I, wait, I don't know that yet. 
So <laughs> I'm only looking at Lecce's slate. Um, Hold on, but, let me look. Let's look at that. Hold on. Uh, you, you look, go ahead. Well, you look at that. Uh, Lecce has been playing a lot really well lately. I was I've been talking to some Lecce fans this week, and they asked me about the game, and I said, look, you know, normally I take Kalidi at home all day long, but Lecce has been playing really well. They got an unexpected win last week, and I and I expect I said this is gonna draw because Lecce are good enough to make it difficult for Kalidi, and Kalidi are not gonna be able to. Uh, know what to do with it, and they, you know, came out to draw, and you know, the rare one of the rare times I'm right on things. So yeah. um, good for Lecce. They needed the points. They couldn't take a loss in Sardinia, and uh, at least it keeps them in the in the, in the fight for this. So for sure, um, yeah. There's actually four games all in that time frame. You have, uh, and, and that might be the game I end up watching because otherwise it's Brescia against Spal, yeah, Fiorentina against Torino, uh, and Napoli Udinese actually might be interesting. So both teams scoring lately. Both teams in decent form. Well, Kevin Lasagna is scoring. The rest of the team isn't. So, yeah. Um, but I digress. <laughs> uh, so those are mine. Why don't you take it from? Uh, why don't you take it from here with the other four games? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so, well, first we're going to start off with um, Fiorentina and Hellas. Uh, this is a. This is a. No, it wasn't a big game by any stretch because Hellas has been playing really well. Fiorentina not so much this year, but uh, scoring started early. Uh, one of the goals of the week candidates. Um, Amrabat, who's been playing sensational this year with a lofty chip over everybody, finds a streaking Faraoni who does an overhead kick, uh, gets it past the keeper, one nothing at that point. Uh, now, did Amrabat turn and look at Comiso and 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 say, "I bet you can't wait till I do this for Chiesa, right?" Right, right, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's been he's been a phenomenal player this year. Uh, he he's going to be a contender for uh, a top eleven, I think, at coming the end of the season. But we'll get to that when it comes. Yeah. Um, Hellas look like they're going to squeak away with a one nothing win, but the man we were just singing this song about, uh, Cutrone, <clears throat> he comes up big, comes up late, uh, in the nine, 90th minute plus six minutes is stoppage time. 96 minute, uh, equalizes it late. I think it was a pass from Chiesa, but I could be mistaken. Uh, one, one Fiorentina and Hellas share the points in that one. Um, first off, did you see that goal by Faraoni? Uh, this is from Amrabat. What a, what a play I thought, um, just the pass in general was beautiful and wonderfully timed by Faraoni. It's in my top three for goals of the week. I, okay. I'll let you when we get to the end of this. I, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll let you know whether or not it's number one. I've, okay. I've got two others that are fighting it, fighting with it for it. So okay. Uh, moving on to but it was a great, yeah, great finish. Parma Bologna. This game. Uh, this was an, this was a fun game too. Uh, Bologna came out like a like a like a fire here. Early goal, Danilo off a set piece uh, from Orsolini. Uh, bangs in the header th- uh, in the third minute, makes it one nothing. Uh, just 13 minutes later, Soriano with one of the goals of the week candidates. Uh, he makes it two nothing. Looks like Bologna is going to run away with this, uh, and they nearly did. Had, they held that lead for most of the game until stoppage time. Uh, and 90, 93rd minute, Yasmin Kurtic gets a goal back door, makes it two to one. Okay, no big deal here. Uh, but two minutes later, the return of Bobby English. Uh, he gets a goal somehow. Gets on the end of the of, of the cross. You're blushing. I am. I am. Uh, you're, blu- getting, you're blushing. I'm here. I'm getting hot here. Uh, <laughs> he makes it two two. He, well <laughs> <laughs> he makes it two two. Uh, game ends. Uh, an, an astonishing point for Parma when they they thought they were left for dead going into the 90th minute. They get two late goals, dramatic goals. Is this a a choke job by Bologna or just more about the the grit by Parma to get a point out of this? <sighs> It was a balanced game, really. I mean, yeah. it, it was. It you know the possession was even. The shots were relatively close. Um, 
you know, when you look at the second half of this game, I mean, Parma certainly controlled everything. I mean, Bologna yeah. got to two nil, got to the got to halftime, and Mihailovic came down from wherever he was sitting because he was on a touchline ban, and probably said to his team or his assistants had said to the team said, "All right, we're Long two nil up. If we all we got to do is keep him out, and we're good." And they did that for ninety minutes. They just didn't do it for ninety three and ninety five minutes. Unfortunately for them, you play till the end of the whistle. End of the whistle, right? Yep. I was going to say all ninety minutes, but that wouldn't count in this, this situation here. Uh, so yeah, that game ends two two. Uh, another team that needed to get some points, uh, you know, because they're towards the bottom of the table. I'm talking about Sampdoria. They were on the road to Udinese. Uh, Sampdoria historically has not played well on the road. Uh, scoring started early by the inform uh, Kevin Lasagna took him uh, most of the season to finally get back into shape. Uh, he scores in the 37th minute, makes it one nothing. Uh, just before halftime, a gut punch for Udinese as Qualiarella gets a goal, makes it one-one going to halftime. That kind of seemed to turn the thing, turn the turn the uh, game on that at that point. Uh, Sampdoria started putting their emphasis in the game. Um, it took him a while though to score another goal. Uh, it wasn't until the 84th minute, Gold Week candidate Bonazzoli with an overhead kick uh, score, scorches it past uh, Musso there, makes it two-one. Uh, and then to add insult to injury, Gabbiadini also with another goal of the week candidate. I mean, these are four goal of the week candidates here in this game, um, or three at least. Lasagna was a good one as well. Gabbiadini makes it 3-1. to one. Uh, Sampdoria walk away with three points in that one. And then to round things out, Pazza Inter hosting Torino. Uh, <laughs> Pazza Handanovic as well. I mean, he made Donnarumma <laughs> look like a genius in that play. Um, ball was in his hands. He drops it, and Bolotti's right there. Il Gallo scores a goal, one nothing in the 17th minute. Did you see that play? I mean, whoa, my I've never laughed so hard in my entire life. Other than the donkey and <laughs> nah, other than the donkey, what is God thinking? Clearly, clearly things are funnier than that, but oh gosh. Uh, um, Mr. Bob, did they Parma said not so fast to Bologna, Bob saying did they just lose concentration at the end? I want to re- rewind back to that real quick. Yeah. Do you ever have like you get the pep talk from the coaches and they say, I want 90 minutes of full concentration, effort, and energy and all that stuff? Just 90? What if the referee adds on minutes? Do we they just what? stop at 90 and then they see – now you know why so many damn goals get scored in stoppage time in the second half. Yeah. Because, you know, you're just doing – Going forward, the 99th minute or whatever. So. No, you're just doing what the coach told you. So from, from now, if I ever coach games like that again, I'm just going to say, give me 100 minutes. Yeah. I'm coach the game's only 90. I said, there's going to be stoppage time. Penalties. I want a budget. I want a budget for stoppage time. <laughs> so let's be ready. Or if it's a playoff game, well, 120 minutes. Hundred. Give me 130 then. 150 so, minutes. Yeah. Penalties, man. All right. Uh, what were you asking? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> um, Belotti gets the goal, early goal, one nothing for Torino. Oh. It would have been something if that was the last goal of the game, but it wasn't. Uh, Inter came to play. I, I had a rough couple games, uh, but they, you know, Ashley Young, uh, what a signing he's been, uh, as Uncle Sharma says, he scored more goals than, uh, than Douglas Costa this season, and he's only been here since January. Uh, he gets a goal in the 49th minute, makes it 1 1. Uh, and if two minutes later, uh, one of the goal of the week candidates, it was a uh, Sanchez to Brozovic to Sanchez to Young back to Sanchez to Godin for a goal off a set piece, a, will, a brilliantly played set piece yeah, there. I by, like that by one. Inter. Uh, for me, great team goal there, two to one. And then in the 61st minute, uh, Larturo Martinez makes a goal, makes it three to one. Pazza Inter win against Torino. Uh, big win for them at that time because they put them in the second place. Uh, however, Atalanta obviously would jump them uh, a little bit later. I guess we'll get to that scoreline. I don't know. I guess we talked about a 6-2, right? Yeah, um, today. Um, 
Yeah, they played today. And uh, Anthony had a question about Inter in this game in particular. He says, uh, "Would either you play with the blame for on Conte for Inter's dip in form as you know recently, or do you think it's all on the players and their mentality?" And we've talked about this with Lazio and Inter in the past. That usually it's in January, February where they had this dip in form ment- mentally, and they just lose it, and they all of a sudden they, they correct it later in the season. Do you think it's that, or or do you blame it on Conte? I'm just trying to see why what what Inter. Is constant what Interisi are constituting is a dip in form, and you know, I'm going to be devil's advocate here because I'm looking at I'm looking at what hap- what has happened with them since the restart. They beat Sampdoria. Yep. Um, they drew a Sassuolo team that we're finding out that draw is not so bad. Yeah, they're a okay. good team, and that's what I think they, that's part of it. They came from behind to beat a good Parma team. They blasted Brescia. They had a hiccup, a brain fart, especially. Bastoni uh, in the game against Bologna ended up losing that. Yeah, And then they traveled on the road to Verona. Okay, this Verona team has given everybody a hard time this year. Okay, and they they ended up 2-2. That ended up 2-2. Okay, they, they, it was the early Lazovic goal, and then Inter controlled the game and came into it and pulled ahead, and then they and then Verona was able to get a late one. Juric made some changes that made it work, and Veloso, you know, because I, I watched that game. Um what dip in form? So this is what I think it is. You know, Inter, I think, and it's Inter in general. This is the club, the fans, everybody. They think they are a team that can contend for Scudetto. So when you're a team that should be contending for Scudetto, you shouldn't be losing to teams or drawing to teams like Sassuolo and Parma and Bologna and all them. I get that. But these teams are good. And I get you shouldn't be losing to those teams or drawing these teams. But you got to sometimes at some point, you got to give credit to the opposition as well. Yeah. Uh, you're, if you if you are a, you know if they had been a true contender for the scudetto uh, at this point in the season if they still were in it they would have beat those teams they would have found ways but they're not and this is this is the types of game that Juventus would have found ways to win um, and I think that's a mental hurdle for them it's been a, it's been a mental hurdle for years for them and I think it's not just Conte it's just Inter in general and part of it is you got to give credit to the teams they played Parma is a very good team Sassuolo as you mentioned are a good team. Hellas is a hell of a good team this year. Yeah. And Bologna has glimpses of being a really good team. They just don't put it all together all the time. So they've played seven games. They've, they've 21 points available. They've got 14. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you stretch that out over a season. That's 76 points. That's champions league football. Yeah. That's champions league football. That's, you know, two, two out of two, three, two points, averaging two points a game, you know, from a result standpoint. I think their sights. If that's a dip in form, you are some hard sons of bitches to impress. I'm telling you right now. Well, I guess. And your mothers are probably really nice people. I shouldn't say that. We can relate as Milanisi, right? We've always said like we we want to Scudetto and Champions League or bust. And I guess Inter at that point now where they're like we we got to fight for Scudetto. Um, And we most of us, many of us thought not most of us, many of us thought that when Conte came in, it wouldn't be Scudetto the first season because it would take some time. Second season with him. Yeah, he's gonna be contending for Scudetto. Uh, so I, mean, I was never—I I never thought the Inter was gonna be winning the Scudetto this year. Yeah, they—they—they um, yeah, they, they, they quietly impressed or loudly impressed this year. But you shouldn't feel down about the, the those losses and draws recently because those are some good teams, uh, and you got to give credit to the opposition in those. Teams. They came to play, and maybe this Inter weren't 100 into the game. And it's hard when you're coming back from what everybody came back, and we're still dealing with. So yeah, I—I—I I, I, I have a hard time. Actually, you know, blaming Conte um, because the results have still been solid. You know, maybe it's not Scudetto winning form, but it's, you know, like I said, 
14 out of a possible 21 points. You know, over the course of a season, that's 76 points. That's top four. That's top four quality. Okay, so they're they're about where they should be. I think some of the some of the stuff that's triggering this is also the form that Milan is in right now, the form that Napoli is in right now. Teams that are going Atalanta. to be around them an awful lot, Atalanta, and they're seeing those guys being a little bit more successful. If you're if you're judging it based on that, and if you're trying to align yourself to teams next to you, all right, fine, I get it, but. I looked at your res- I look at your results over these seven games, and what's the problem here? You know, uh, the Bologna game really, really stinks. You should have won that. There's Bastoni's got no business committing that second yellow. Yeah, um, and you're talking about 16 out of 21 points instead. So I have a heart. Which, if you're in that kind of form, that's title winning form. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking about being right around the 90 point threshold if you're doing that over the course of a season. So. I have a hard time with Interisti being all hot, hot and bothered by all of this because I think that they're staying. I think that they're staying the course. They're just not in the form that some of these other teams that are in, and these other teams are just scorching hot right now. Napoli, Milan, Sassuolo, Atalanta, Juve to a distant extent. I love that you use the term "hot and bothered" because that's what Interisti have been lately with under with with uh, with Conte. Um, when and the Bologna result, they were like, "Get rid of him. We need a new manager." Which I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. After all he's done this year, they're like, "Get rid of him." And then after this win, they're like, "Our savior is here. He's back." <laughs> you know, they can't they can't make up their mind on, on Conte, which is great. No, that's fine. You know, we're the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Milan brotherhood there. Maybe it's every team in general just crazy like that. But it's yeah. just funny seeing it from from the sideline, watching watching their result, their their reactions to both those two results. And uh, yeah, no, it just it's funny. But it's like, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and and the whole Antonio Conte might be sacked. Max Allegri might come in. I mean, it just That's nice, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, they got a good thing know. going, I think. And I think next year they're going to be challenging for Scudetto. That is my belief, hundred percent. Unless something, some meltdown happens, and you know, they're going to be one of the teams. I'm not going to say they're going to be sure, the but them, Atalanta, if they keep their guys, and obviously Juventus, and maybe some other teams like Napoli and Milan, maybe who knows. Lazio, Roma. Hey. Yep. Swallow. We we'll see. We'll see. But I mean, you know, and, and they recovered nicely. They played fantastic. I mean, you look at the form that Alexis Sanchez is in right now, and and you're turning around. To, if I'm if I'm Marotta right now, I'm turning around and I'm looking at Barcelona. So you want how much for Lataro? Yeah. Hundred twenty million. Okay, we can do this now. We take checks. So yeah, Alexis Sanchez, which. We kind of chuckled that when he came over, but he's been fantastic. He had he's two been one of the better players game. in the restart for yeah, sure. Yeah, he had two assists in this game against Torino. Yeah. So, um, and he was he was great in the Verona game too. I watched that game. So, uh, he looks like a nice. He's the. I think he's an ideal guy to play off of Lukaku. I mean, right now you got Lataro and Lukaku together, who are kind of the same guy. You know, when it comes down to it, they're they're strikers. You know, Sanchez is more of a support striker that has some technical quality to him that he can do a lot of other things and makes it work a lot better. So Nima argues for a three, five, one, one um, with the idea that Tenali is going to arrive at Inter with, you know, with Erickson playing behind Lukaku. And then maybe Sanchez comes in as a guy that you, you throw in there for some extra, you know, for some extra quality. Right. 
Right. And I don't hate that idea either. No, I don't either. So Inter, Inter, Interisti. I normally don't like you, okay? But calma, calma. You guys are going to be all right, <laughs> yeah. okay? 21 possible points. You got 14 of them. All right, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. You should have maybe 16 if you didn't blow it against Bologna. You're all right. It's all right. There's no dip in form. There's no reason to lynch Conti right now. Stay the course. Stay the course. Well, that's all the games of this week. I mean, if you want to include today's uh, thumping by Brescia or on Brescia, I guess Atalanta. That was fun to watch. I mean, but it's the start of match week 33. We're here to review match week 32. But it happened before we recorded. So, yeah, I mean, Gomez didn't play. Ilic didn't play. Zapata only played for a half. They still scored six. My goodness. So fun. Fun. And I mean, they could have scored, they could have scored 12 if they wanted to. But as Thomas Rongen says, they're struggling at the moment. And it's, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my God. You want to take that bow tie and shove it up his ass. (laughs) Atalanta struggling. How do you say that? That's clearly a guy who doesn't watch Italian football. Yeah. And I actually, he's actually a very smart, I like him. Soccer mind. American. I like him. That was. That was not poorly. That was not. That was not well thought out. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. So, yeah. goals of the week. What do you got? Goals of the week. Okay. Uh, so my light is twitching at the moment. Pay <laughs> uh, your bill. I, I guess I need to. I uh, <laughs> I included the game from today just because there were some great goals in that game. Uh, number five for me, Bonazzoli's overhead goal. Number four, Faraoni's overhead goal. The assist from Amrabat. Number three, I'm going with Teo Hernandez. A brilliant play, brilliant volley there. Number two, I'm going Malinovsky because he had two bombs, one against Juventus, one against Brescia. And number one, Thomas Darun, or Martin Darun, excuse me, his, his goal today was sensational, was outside of his foot. Uh, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Felt sorry for the goal. He must have a backache from picking the ball out of the net. Yeah, he's had to do it nine times in his two games in goal for Brescia. Yeah. What's his name again? Andronacci, I think. Golanacci? I don't know. Goal, give up Anachi. <laughs> give up goals, Anachi. Something like that. So, all right. Uh, my top five, and I'm just sticking with match week 32 uh, and not today's games uh, with all due respect. Um, number five for me was the Teo Valley uh, against Napoli. Um, number four for me was the Malinovsky Rocket against Juventus. Uh, and then number three, I'm going with the Lasa Shona free kick for. Uh, Genoa against Spall. I thought it was yep. sensational. It was nice. Um, and then I'm going to go with those overhead kicks as as two and one. Um, Faraoni for Verona is number two, and I'm going with Bonazzoli at number one. Based uh, on the power? Based on the power. Based on the power, and based on it was a winner. So yeah. it yeah. wound up being a winner. So, I mean, it just barely edges Faraoni's goal. So, Anthony Leo, thanks for answering the question, boys. I would agree with you. On, I would agree with all of your points. <laughs> I appreciate that, Anthony. Thank you. you Grazie. If you know, but um, you're an Inter fan. Be nice. Be nice. They're better than us. Yeah. Well, the, right now, table wise. Who is it? Uh, Inter Philly. That was at Inter Philly. Who was the one that was saying that the two oh, Milan yeah, clubs yeah, are so yeah. far apart? Yeah. And he has caught nothing but shit for that for the last two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. <sighs> anyway, uh, winners and losers uh, for me. 
Um, I'm going with Sassuolo just for the run that they're on and beating Lazio, maybe validating the start that they've gotten off to because they've won four on the bounce. Um, they had two hard-earned draws against Verona and Inter Milan, no slouches. This all after getting trounced by Atalanta. When they lost to Atalanta, you're looking at this, this is one of those hit-the-beach type of teams that, yeah. okay, it's restarted, and they're just going to kind of – we're going to see a lot of goals, and they're going to lose a lot of games, but they put it together. Dezerbi's got them on a nice run, um, you know, and gotten them to uh, possibly – uh, Europa League football, although I think the run-in is going to be very difficult for them to maintain uh, the form that they're in. Uh, loser for me is Spall. I mean, I the, I look at this team; they've just flat out quit. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's just no interest in, in in football with them right now. Six games left, eleven points from safety. They're clearly going back down to Seti B. Um, Patania's leaving that situation. There's a couple of other guys in there that I think will will be able to find work in Seti on next season. And um, convenient for me to say because they're at the foot of the table. But I mean, when you're in a game that a, a Genoa side that's struggling and you allow them to boss you like like they did, it's it's pretty ugly right now. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, my winners of the week. Uh, I'm going to say in that kind of same vein, I'm going with Genoa getting a big three points in that game. Uh, they needed those three points, uh, got them out of the relegation zone temporarily. Uh, so that's my winners of the week. My losers of the week. Uh, it's going to be the rule book in general. I think they need to fix the the handball rule and just foul this fouls in general. Um, a lot of questions were had came up with, with the Juventus game and also even the Milan game. Um, by the rule book, the, the calls are right, but I think they could be adjusted to, you know, when balls are going out, like the Muriel play, maybe those aren't necessarily penalties, maybe indirect free kicks or something like they used to be. I don't know, but I think the rule book was the one that suffered this weekend. So, yeah, it's, uh, unfortunately, like I said, I think you're going to, I, I think it is going to, uh, um, be very difficult to overturn, uh, these rules or make the changes to it that people are going to be calling for. I think Bob's That's right. Not- Atalanta is one of the winners of the week as well because they opened a lot of people's eyes outside of Syria. That like, oh, okay, they can they can play. So maybe yep. PSG's low, like, oh, uh, maybe I'm not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's finish up with uh, Champions League and Europa League draws here involving the Italian teams because those took place at the end of the week. Everything's going to resume again in August. Um, it looks like the quarterfinal draw. And is this going to be – this is not going to be two legs. This is going to be not single-game knockout uh, to get this finished up. It looks like that that's what they're going with. Yep, that's what yeah, I see. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's talk about it because we've got three Serie A teams left. Um, Atalanta is in the quarterfinals. They're going to play Paris Saint-Germain. My goodness, abacus. Yep, get the abacus out for that one, boys and girls. That one is going to be uh, tasty. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Um, going to be an enthralling 90 minutes to watch. Uh, if Atalanta win that, uh, they will get the winner of RB Leipzig and Atletico Madrid. Yeah. So on paper, a good path. It They've is. Got it. It I is. mean, it's a PSG team that is going to be very rusty. All right. That's that's an advantage that Atalanta is going to have. This is a PSG team that has not had competition. They've had going to have preseason competition. Um, they're going to have some teams that they're going to get to kick around a little bit to try to get prepared for this game. Yeah, they won nothing yesterday. Did they? Yeah. Who did they play? 
some did you pull you must have played for them then yeah yeah i pulled a hamstring did you <laughs> that's your excuse so um, i'm old, I'm old. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so Atalanta PSG RB Leipzig, I would actually be very, very intrigued if Atalanta win this to get Atletico in the semifinal, the chess match that that could be. That would be the more, more difficult of all their games. I think of those three possibilities, uh, obviously the BPSG PSG is a really great team, obviously, but I think the way they play, they can match up well. Same thing with RB Leipzig. Um, Atletico is a stout team defensively, and the chess games, like you mentioned with Simeone, would be unbelievable. And Atalanta can play defense now, so it's not necessarily going to be a high-scoring affair. Um, so I'm curious how that will work. And I, you love the pieces that, that Atalanta have, and I think a lot of people are starting to consider them as potential finalists for Champions League. And yep. you look at, the, look at this run ahead. It's not out of the realm. We've seen crazier things. Yep, we have seen crazier things. There's always a team that sneaks into the semifinals that you don't expect. It happens a lot. And just because things are changing with how this Champions League has worked out doesn't mean it can be any different. So, um, you know, can't rule out the possibility in a 90-minute setting. Yeah. It could happen. PSG with a bad defense as well, exactly. So, and even worse when they haven't had game action, like significant game action in a long, long time. So yeah. Atalanta have a chance to hang their hat in that regard. So as for the other Ita- Italian teams remaining, Napoli have to finish a second leg against Barcelona. Uh, the first ended in a 1-1 draw at the San Paolo. So now Barcelona is the host in the second leg. If they win that, they'll likely meet Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals who have a 3-0 aggregate edge over Chelsea. Um, I see I don't see Chelsea having any prayer of overturning that after watching Bayern play pretty extensively in the Bundesliga. They they went and played like they never even had a break. Yeah. Um, so if Napoli somehow survived Barcelona, the reward is going to be playing Bayern Munich. Oh. I love Gattuso. I love the job he's doing. This is way too much for them to try to navigate. The one thing that's in favor of all the Italian clubs is it's single elimination, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that gives them a better chance. I think, uh, you know, if, if they can get away, if they can get past Barcelona, that's going to be a tasty matchup. Both teams are playing really well at the moment. If it's one on one against Bayern, one game, a one off, anything can happen. We've seen yeah. that. We've seen that before. Bayern are playing very, very well. Uh, but Napoli, you know, you got to like their chances. They're not going to get dismantled, I think. I think, uh, especially to beat Barcelona, they're going to be riding a lot of confidence. They'll still be playing Serie A at the time, and Byron will be off for even longer than it is right now. So, yeah, it's uh, with the one game eliminations, anything can happen, and it's it's a difficult it's a difficult line for Napoli to get to the finals, but um, it's not crazy to think they could get there. Yep, indeed. Um, Juventus have to overturn a one nil deficit to Lyon. Uh, if they do that, they'll face the winner of Real Madrid and Manchester City. And currently, Manchester City hold a, I believe, a three one aggregate lead over uh, Los Blancos. Two one. Um, two one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Two one. So, uh, again, Juventus have the advantage of playing a team that has not seen real competitive action in months. So, there's some advantage for them there. I think they can beat Lyon. I think that it becomes um, Real Madrid, Manchester City. I think, again, another environment where, like you said, ninety they just need to be better than them for 90 minutes. If they can do that, they're in the semifinals. And these are two teams that I think that can happen. As dominant as Manchester City have been, when you look at their games um, in the Premier League, 
I mean, they they beat Liverpool four 0 but they beat a Liverpool team that was hungover after clinching winning the Premier League. Okay, and they've just and and you look at the teams that they've blown away at home. Are you, who are you wowed by? So, yeah. um, Real Madrid have found they're they're a team that are finding ways to win again under Zinedine Zidane. They're not as dominant as they were uh, under Zidane 1.0, but they've got a good tactical structure to them. Yeah. I think that if it is Real Madrid that somehow overturns that result against Manchester City, I don't think they do. I think City's going to win. Um, that Real Madrid Juventus game could definitely be a, be a nil nil or going to penalties. Uh, but if it's Manchester City, there's there's going to be goals involved. How do you how do you like that uh, matchup? Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I, I think you know I, I'm going to say don't discount Real Madrid with Zinedine Zidane. Uh, they they just seem to win with him no matter what, no matter whether it's pretty or not. They they get the win. So if it's Real Madrid and and the Juventus, yeah, it's going to be a low scoring affair, and you're possibly looking at penalties there. Uh, the Man City one, I think there are going to be goals because I think Man City is going to be able to score with the you know with the, the game time that they've been having. Um, Juventus has been susceptible to goals lately, as we as we've seen, but they can score too. Yeah, and you got to like Ronaldo in big games. I'm sorry, I don't care how old he is; he's he's big in these games. So yeah, it's going to be goals in that Especially one. Especially when there's a penalty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's Europe. They don't get penalties in Europe. Oh, Juve don't. They give them up. They give them against Juve in Europe. Yeah, too soon. <laughs> there isn't any Juve fans in the chat. We can there isn't any Juve fans that listen to us either. They gotten angry with us, but it's what it is. It's what it is. So those are the paths. So there's a possibility of a Juve Napoli semifinal, although given the teams that are also lumped together in this draw, it's a long shot. Yeah. So um also, Real Madrid forwards are scoring again, aren't they? Yeah, in a sense, they are, Bob. Um, but uh, Alaves, they should be beating by more than two. Uh, Granada, they just beat 2-1, um, which Granada is not a slouch. They're a pretty decent side. So um, it is. By the way, you're Real Batiste uh, getting Manuel Pellegrini. Yeah, yeah. Having him back in uh, La Liga should be interesting to see how he does or doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. All right, Europa League real quick. Um, now, Inter, Getafe, and Roma Sevilla were supposed to play in the round of 16 when all this COVID broke out, and their matches got canceled or postponed. Right. Uh, so they are going to play single-leg round of 16 matches uh, for the right to go through to the quarterfinals. Okay, so they're not, they're not playing. Like they're, they're, these other six games, these other six draws had a first leg. Right. Um, and we'll play a second leg. So in the case of Inter and Getafe, that's a that's a one-game, 90-minute winner goes through. In the case of Roma-Sevilla, it's a one-game, 90-minute winner goes through. By the way, Sevilla, big shout-out. Thank you for uh, taking Suzo off of Milan's hands. And making Champions League. And making Champions League. Uh, plus Valenza for Milan for a guy that thought he was Iron Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, much appreciated. But anyway, um, so... The draw looks like this as far as Italians are concerned from the looks of it. Uh, if Inter can beat Getafe, they will play the winner of Rangers and Leverkusen. I'm going to say it's going to be Leverkusen. Um, and then if Roma can beat Sevilla, they get whoever wins between Olympiacos and Wolves. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know how those aggregates are. I, I got to look up how those aggregate scores are uh, at the moment. Um 
for what we need to concern ourselves with in terms of this. Yeah, Leverkusen won 3-1 away at Rangers, so they've got a huge advantage. Wolves won, had a 1-1 draw away at Olympiacos. So, Slight advantage. Yeah, so we're looking at possibly if Inter can beat Getafe, they will play Leverkusen next. If Roma can beat Sevilla, they will play Wolves next. So you'll have Wolves against Wolves um, <laughs> in the quarterfinals. Uh, I'm going to predict the Wolves are going to win that quarterfinal. 50-50 uh, chance? Yeah. Uh, well, there's a 100% chance the Wolves will win. <laughs> they play each other in the quarters. You know? I, never did good. I never did well in math. No, I, that's that's why you got me. So um, so that's uh, that's what we're looking at. And, and should they win their quarterfinal matchups, it looks like they would play each other in the semifinals. So okay. uh, there would not be a chance for an all-Italian Europa League final, unfortunately. Um for those that care, uh, the other matches are the winner of Wolfsburg, Shakhtar Donetsk, play the winner of Frankfurt and Basel. Um, maybe Frankfurt will have figured out how to defend by then. Hmm. Um, Man United, let's face it, they're going through. They beat Lask 5-0 on the first leg. They'll wait, they're awaiting the winner of Istanbul, Basak Sahir, and Copenhagen. That's the other half of, of what is going on. So my guess is that it's going to be if these Italian, if one of these Italian teams can get through to the final, they're going to play Man United. Yeah, and then Man United has played a lot better as of late too. So they're knocking on the door of Champions League. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's those are tough games for for the for the uh, Italian clubs. Um, I think of the two draws. I think Roma has a tougher one of Sevilla, three-time champions of late, um, and they just do really well in these tournaments. Uh, yep. while, you know, many countries don't take this this competition seriously. Spanish teams do, and especially Sevilla. This is their tournament. Uh, and so I'd be I'd be very worried if I was Roma, but they can get them on their day, especially if it's a one one off. Um, and you got to like Inter if it's a one off as well for Conte planning a one game one game off against Getafe to plan around that. Um, it's gonna be tough. Getafe are a good team, but yep. you gotta like Inter in that as well. So, yep, for sure, for sure. So it's gonna be exciting, man. Those uh, August, we're gonna get to see some European games and. Uh, yeah, you know it'll be a lot of fun. So just when we think we can wrap this up on August second with Serie A, we're gonna have to turn around and see how these teams do in the um, uh, in the uh, Champions League and the Europa Leagues. It's uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So hopefully we get some Italian representation in the finals of those competitions. Uh, possible chance for that. So um, I thought Conte doesn't do Europe. Well, he might if that's the only competition in town for him. Um, yeah, only trophy <laughs> Yeah, it's the only trophy he's got a shot at. So, so he might have to. So, and uh, with that, we'll put a bow on this edition of Seria Sit Down. Uh, shameless plug time, Richard. Shameless plug. Yeah. Um, just dropped a new uh, vlog on uh, Napoli on on the on the page here and on YouTube. Uh, so check that out. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, yeah, you can find me obviously anywhere on social media at r underscore k h a r m a n. And I'm gonna give a shout out to all the listeners. Uh, if there's you know any if any of you guys are comfortable in front of the camera and want to talk about your team, just some news about your team, we want to kind of spread the love of Syria here, uh, especially here on YouTube. So yeah. reach out to me on on Twitter and shoot me a DM and we can talk. Uh, but yeah, we're looking to expand and uh, get more notoriety to some of these other clubs in the league or all the clubs in the league. I want to you know we'd like to have represented from every from every team. So um, yeah, shoot me a DM. But that's that's all I got for plugging away. Please do that. Please do that. Yeah. If you're out there, if you support a club and uh, want to give us some insight, we'd be, we'd love to have you come in and do a Q and a, I think 
we've covered a ton of teams over the last couple of years, uh, you know, in doing so. So, and I know we've got uh, Lecce coming up very soon. We've got, we've got Lecce, Lecce, a Lecce fan base in the UK uh, that is interested in jumping on and, and getting in on the Q&A. So hopefully we can get that coordinated here shortly. So um, Serie A Sit Down can be found on Apple Podcasts. We've got our own page there. We've got our own page on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there are podcasts. You can find Serie A Sit Down. I'm at FTC underscore 21. At Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Send your comments. Send your questions. For, send your ideas for future podcasts. We'd love to see them. We also got a Facebook page and then this YouTube channel right here. Smash that like, subscribe. means a lot to us. Uh, get on it and get your friends on it too. So um, great stuff as always, Richard. As always, and my drink's done. Got some good games tomorrow. We've got Sassuolo and Juventus on Wednesday the 15th check that out everybody uh that's going to be at 345 eastern on the espn airwaves likely espn plus i haven't looked at it in great detail milan and parma uh or bologna napoli 130 east uh some interesting games there uh you also got roma and hellas fit on so some good ones going on uh on the peninsula on wednesday so check all of those out um but uh keep checking us out on the youtube page we'll have little snippets of this uh Subscribe to all of our channels on the podcast. We uh, appreciate everybody out there. Uh, appreciate everybody in the chat. Great stuff. Great questions. Great comments. We very much appreciate you. Um, and uh, we'll be ready to do this again next week. For Richard, I'm Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.